This is Dies and UBX, the podcast, episode 271, for the week of September 18th, 2011. Welcome to Dies and UBX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Dies and UBX. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Joining me across the intertubes under an ocean all the way from Japan, Julian, sir, good to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, we really wanted to have you on, uh, I think it was manga review or I don't even remember what last time. No, you did the manga review. We yes. did an episode after that. I just set a time and I say, go, we're recording. I'm glad I did that because as you can tell, we've been without a show for two weeks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that totally sucked. But Julian, you are here. I'm so glad to have you with me. We're going to talk about episode of Bardock this week. You ready for that? I think so. It's, um, how, how should we put it? Interesting. <laughs> Save your uh, colorful adjectives for later in the episode, I guess. Okay. Uh, so we got you. Theoretically joining us was, is, will be our buddy Heath Hujio from Konzentai. But I'm beginning to suspect he blew us off tonight. I think he was helping a friend move or something today. So it was somewhat tentative from him anyway. But I don't know. All I right. guess we'll give him a pass. He usually helps out. So he gets okay. a freebie. That just leaves me. My name is Mike. Sometimes I go by Vegito EX. Also kind of blow us off as Mary, but Julian, you were mentioning that you came down with a little something something, but you're doing all right for now. Yeah, well, allergies, basically. It's time to harvest the, the rice, I guess. I usually don't get it that bad in Japan, but I guess either where I'm living now or just something about this year makes it a bit different. Yeah, it's that time of year. Things kicking in. That's what's up with the wife. But uh, I think it'll make everyone happy to know that even though she's not recording, she's actually upstairs reading One Piece. So everyone should be happy about that. Yay. Maybe you guys we'll talk about that. At the very end of the show, we'll, we'll give a little update on what's going okay. on with that because I know some people are interested. So Julian, man, you yes. and I, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, I... Thought we would. I mean, it's been two weeks without a show, and uh, we got a little bit of news, but we've been looking forward to episode of Bardock, so I think you and I will just go all out on that. Anything you want to toss out before the news? I feel like I want to get right into it, but if you got anything, say it now or forever hold your peace. Um, it's September. I just had the school cultural festival a couple days ago. That was kind of cool, but tiring. Also, um, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? I don't know. Me neither. Let's continue. All right, news. Julian Ultimate Blast over here in North America, Ultimate Tenkaichi. It's the new PS3 360 game coming out. Did you check out the Create a Character trailer by any chance? I did, actually. It seems kind of interesting. Yeah, what do you think about this? I mean, these are games you're not up on the latest systems, especially the fighting games. Do you care now? This is another thing they're tossing out there for people like you. Is this going to get you coming back into the fold? Um, if you mean, is it going to get me to purchase a console specifically for this <laughs> game? I'd say probably not. All but right. it would convince me to maybe try it out somewhere. Now, here's the thing. We've had confirmation since this trailer that it's male, cyan-based characters only. Does that... <sighs> do anything to you mm, hold you back a little bit a little less appealing perhaps yeah but was, at least at least allow humans too yeah I, I guess they're sort of human characters but i'm pretty sure that they've they've said something over the course of the story mode with this character the hair's got to go gold at some point so they've got to sort of be quasi cyan based 
I don't know. It's the kind of thing where I'm paying attention, but I'm not entirely paying attention because I kind of want to jump in and experience it somewhat fresh without being completely overwhelmed with knowing everything. It's really weird with these Dragon Ball games because I want to cover everything as in-depth as possible, but I want to give it a totally fresh shake when we get around to reviewing it. So I don't know. Create a character. It's out there. If you've been looking forward to it, it seems like it may have some of the stuff you're interested in and maybe not all of it. Over on the music side, Julian, we've got confirmation. Chala, head chala. Any uh, interesting tidbits out of this little blurb here? Um, well, it really just says that um, it's going to be a brand new animation for the opening. <clears throat> but it's going to be Hironobu Kageyama singing Chara Hit Chara. It doesn't really say that it's going to be a new recording. It just could just be that the one that we're used to. Yeah, which is, I I know that when we uh, updated the homepage of the website, it's been used a few times before, believe it or not, just the standard version of Head Chala. It was used back on uh, Idainaru Songoku Densetsu, which was on the PC engine, and then it was later used in the first Dragon Ball Z, which we got as Budokai on the PS2, the 2005 version of the song, so not quite the standard version. That was used in Japan as the opening to Super Dragon Ball Z. I think that was also replaced when it was brought over to the US. And then one last time it was used in Sparking Neo on the PS2 in the Wii. And again, that was changed when that came over to the US. So we've actually gotten boned out of every single time Edge a lot has been used <laughs> as an opening. That's kind of funny. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, a lot of folks have been saying maybe the Kenji Yamamoto scandal influenced this in some way because Perhaps. even though he obviously, Kenji Yamamoto, doesn't sing the songs, he was involved with the composition, the arrangement, and the performance of the last few Oh man, I don't even want to say last few. I want to say almost every single vocal game opening, probably going back to somewhere around Final Bout. Man, is that when vocal openings started? That sounds about right, mm, right? Yeah, I think they, they closed well, out. Yeah the PS1 generation with vocal themes and then they started up again later on in uh, the early 2000s. So there we go, Head Chala. We've got no confirmation whether or not that's going to hit North American shores or if we'll get a replacement song, but tying in with that as well. Just learned this from a couple new uh, videos from Tokyo Game Show, which is uh, the big video game expo event over there in Japan. Julian, I know you spent uh, the entire week at Tokyo Game Show. How was it? Um, It was Good. You know, <laughs> what, it was, was the uh, it best was game Tokyo. you saw? I know you had a lot of uh, private demo events. Who'd you see? What'd you play? I played games and... <laughs> Just say, like, I played the new Mario and you, you probably hit it. Yes, I played the new Mario Good and job. the new Zelda. Well, you're right there. We got Skyward Sword coming out. Staying on mm. top of all that and, Japanese And, and the new Pac-Man. <laughs> How's that Pac-Man treating you? Maybe a little Galaxian in the future for you, too. Mm. I think it could become a big craze, I'll tell you what, <laughs> down at the arcades. Those 10 yen coins, there's a shortage. <laughs> <laughs> it was 100 yen, uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, what were we talking about? Anyway, I think the uh, they're showing the Japanese version of Ultimate Blast may possibly have the Kikuchi score yet again. This was a big thing we found out, and I felt totally stupid about not knowing it, but the two Raging Blast games did have the Shunsuke Kikuchi score from the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z TV series in Japan. I of course knew the Sparking Games did, which is why I actually imported the entire PS2 run of games over there, but it kind of
kind of just flew under the radar there that the uh, Raging Blast games did it, possibly coming to the Japanese version of Ultimate Blast, which of course makes me go, all right, am I dropping the 90 bucks to import the game? I may do it. The last hurrah for the Raging Blast games. I don't know. Tough call. Julian, talk me into it. Talk me out of it. What do you think? Mike, as a completist collector, you know you can never live with the shame of not getting this game. Thank you, Julian. This is why I love you, sir. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Closing out the video game news. Uh, You were talking about it with the opening. There's going to be new footage here. It looks like we're actually going to have about 30 minutes of new 2D animation in the story mode. Did you check any of this stuff out as well? I know I put a screenshot up of it, but it looks like it's just kind of redone frame for frame from the TV series. What do you think about that? Well, it it looks nice, but I've kind of seen this stuff before, you know. Yeah, that's my take on story modes. Even when people are talking about, oh man, I love the first Budokai game with all the cutscenes. My take has always been, well, you know, I, I read the series, I watched the series. I guess I could mm. watch it again in a game, but I kind of want something new. Yeah, I guess if I could say anything, I maybe it's it's what I would have liked Kai to look like. <laughs> that is kind of the universal response <laughs> across the board. Yeah, we're all kind of wishing it could have been something like that. Oh, man. Drag them all, video games. What will we do without you? Maybe we'll have another couple of years without you. Then we can figure out what to do without you. Closing out the news. Last thing we got, Funimation did an interview over on Anime News Networks, their ANCAST there. A couple of folks from the DVD and Blu-ray production an interview and they provided some screenshots from the upcoming blu-rays there's not a whole lot to talk about here just yet other than that it looks like man they're finally doing an appropriate job touching this footage i don't know that i have anything else to add just yet how about you mm, yeah i you know, the jury's out until you see the footage in motion, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's always a big thing, is you gotta see it in motion. That was always big on the Dragon Box as well. It's like, it, as great as the on-the-computer-screen single static shot comparisons look, it's even better when you see it in motion. Definitely looking forward to seeing what these uh, turn out as. Th- there's comparisons, you can go see them. Of course, everyone on our forum, we are kind of like this comparison resource. Everyone's tossing out, alright, here's my lossless shots from Orange Bricks, from the Dragon boxes from the Spain releases. Here's the Argentinian release. Here's the Arabic releases, if that's worth comparing anything to. We've got every ping from every known DVD release available somewhere. So if there's a new release, we're going to compare it to what came before. You can always look forward to seeing that. That's what I got for news. I am so excited to talk about episode of Bardock. Shall we jump into it? Shall we? How about we shall? We are about to cover episode of Bardock, and we're going to do it quasi, makes the most sense, manga review of awesomeness style. We'll break it down chapter by chapter. There's only three chapters, so it's going to be pretty quick in that respect to tell you what happened, especially because this is Japanese only right now, so not everyone has had a chance to read it. And then we will yes. break it down with our expert analysis, Julian, you, and myself. Yes. But first, we have to provide the context, the background. I guess I'll start at the beginning here. The beginning, only a few months ago, July 2011, that issue of V-Jump, there was a vague reference to something Dragon Ball Heroes related that was going to be coming in the next month's issue. They stated, and this is translated by our buddy Herms, in addition to the popular Dragon Hero newspaper, manga will be published too. Could that possibly be 
any more vague. Manga will be published too. Well, I hope it's Dragon Ball related. Didn't really know anything about what it was going to be. Details were sparse, but it was eventually revealed via the official V-Jump website that spin-off author of the day right now, Naho Uishi, would actually be taking on yet another, quote, special project, unquote. So as a part of the new update for Dragon Ball Heroes, which is that card-based arcade game, Julian, have you had a chance to actually play Dragon Ball Heroes yet? Um, not yet. I've seen it places before, and I've seen kids using it, and it seems kind of interesting. Well, here's the question. Just how prevalent is it? Like, how often do you see Dragon Ball Heroes on your travels? Mm, I've seen it. I've seen one thing at Eon, the big like the big shopping mall chain. Okay. And I, I think I saw one at the Toys R Us I was at a month or two ago. Okay. So it's out there. Kids are playing it. Seem to be having fun. Yeah. So as a part of the latest update for this, Bardock was going to be in the game and receiving a new Super Saiyan transformation. Of course, this is branching off of all the prior new transformations we've had. In the prior games, you had Super Saiyan 3 uh, Broly and Vegeta. And recently in Heroes, we had Super Saiyan 3 Trunks. So this is just the latest in the line of new throw some golden spiky hair on a character and call it something new and fun. Now, what made this update more interesting, at least I think, than anything that had come recently was the, I call it the all-out media assault that they're doing with it. In addition to just being in the game, there are new cards. Of course, you have to produce new cards for Dragon Ball Heroes uh, that promoted Super Saiyan Bardock, and they promoted those on television. In addition to that, what we covered last time here on the show, the original Bardock TV special, along with the Trunks TV special, were going to receive a budget-priced, only 1,000 yen DVD, allowing newer fans to experience the character's origin for the first time, and also old farts like us to catch up and grab it in its most pristine format because it did not receive an individual DVD release a la the rest of the TV episodes, the movies, all that jazz. Then finally, Finally, what we're covering here, the special project from Naho Oishi, was going to be a spin-off manga entitled Episode of Bardock. It was a new story created as a sequel to the original TV special. It is going to be spread in three parts over the course of August, September, and October 2011's V-Jump issues. So here we go. Julian, I think we'll just do it chapter by chapter. Each will flip-flop. All right. Take us away, chapter one of episode of Bardock from the August 2011 V-Jump. All right, chapter one. The new story begins where the original ended, Bardock's attack on Frieza. Bardock calls for Frieza to come out, who responds by stating that he should be referred to as Frieza-sama and asking what he wants. Bardock screams that they are allies, but Dodoria and Zarban laugh this off. The Saiyans were just being used all along. Frieza states that the race has become an eyesore and must be eradicated, along with their entire planet Vegeta. As Frieza's blast engulfs both Bardock and the planet, he thinks to himself how annoying it would be on the off chance that the Super Saiyan from the ridiculous legend ever actually appeared. Bardock awakens to find himself in a strange place, convinced that he was caught in the explosion of Planet Vegeta. Where is he? The landscape and the color of the sky remind him of Planet Vegeta, but something is different. Two creatures, Ipana and Beri, approach Bardock, who has never seen the race before in his life. Ipana is the village doctor, and along with his shy son, who runs away, heal Bardock a bit with their village's secret medicine. Whatever the liquid is, it seems to be healing Bardock, who recognizes that it is somewhat like the liquid from their own medical machines. Ipana says that with injuries as harsh as Bardock's, it will likely take him half a month to fully recover. Ipana found him collapsed on the outskirts of town and dragged him all the way back. Bardock is not from planet Plant. 
is he? Much like how Bardock does not recognize Ipana's race, Ipana is equally puzzled about Bardock. Planet Plant. Bardock thinks to himself that this was supposed to have been Planet Vegeta's original name, but this cannot be the past. Ipana gives Bardock something to eat, but the noise from a spaceship steals their attention. An alien named Tobi cannot believe that Chilsama has had his eyes on such a pathetic planet, but regardless, he declares that from here on out they are the new rulers, along with Kavira, Toby notices that Bardock appears different from the others, who thinks to himself that these guys do not look like Frieza's underlings. Kavira goes to make an example of Bardock, but is made quick work of by the brutal Saiyan. Bardock strains himself due to his prior injuries, but still manages to take out Toby, making him the village's savior in the process. The mayor thanks him, but Bardock wants nothing to do with them, saying it makes no difference to him whether they live or die. Bardock camps out by himself, still wondering where he is. He was just fighting Frieza, but cannot remember anything after the explosion. Barry sneaks up toward Bardock with some Food, but Bardock threatens to kill him if he doesn't scram. Ultimately, however, Bardock eats the food. Ten days after losing contact with Toby and Kavira, Chill decides to check up on Planet Plant. One of his henchmen states that they have completely lost sight of the two and have no idea where they might be. <clears throat> Even though the henchmen promised to continue searching, Chill decides to go have a look for himself. It is hard to believe that there might be anyone out there foolish enough to oppose him, but he is starting to look forward to this visit. Just who is this Chilled who looks like Frieza, and will Bardock finally... Dot 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 question mark <laughs> exclamation point all right chapter two the next month chilled's henchmen state that they will be arriving on planet plant any moment chilled laughs to himself about potentially getting to play along with whomever it was that killed his minions it looks like a crummy planet and chilled remarks how useless they were to be killed here chilled has a great idea though and they head off. Chilled and the henchmen approach Ipana's village, saying they are members of the Space Police, protectors of peace throughout the entire universe. Evildoers have come to ransack the planet for its abundant resources, and they have arrived to stop them. If a pair of aliens have come recently, they were probably the ones. One of the Plantians notes that those two guys are no more, thanks to a guy named Bardock, who took care of them and flew off. Chilled offers a reward to anyone who tells him where Bardock went, but Barry is concerned about this new guy. Barry runs off to find Bardock, telling him about the new aliens that arrived and how he has a bad feeling about them. Off in the distance, Chilled is destroying the village. Bardock says it has nothing to do with him, but Barry pleads for his help in saving everyone. Chilled laughs to himself about the space police lie, bestowing glorious death upon all for not finding Bardock. Chilled asks for some of the healing liquid from Ipana, who refuses. Chilled will make him suffer, though not kill him, just to prove a point about going against him. Bardock suddenly shows up, cracking the neck of a henchman to announce his arrival. As Ipana states his name, Chilled realizes this is the guy who took out Toby and Kavira. Bardock screams Frieza's name and attacks Chilled, who cannot believe a shrimp like this just came after him. Chilled grabs Bardock, saying how he keeps going on and on about this Frieza, but he is Chilled, the mightiest pirate in the universe. Bardock is in a huge pinch now, courtesy of Chilled's overwhelming power. But will he finally? In the next issue? <laughs> Uh, chapter 3. Barry runs back to his father asking what is going on and what happened to Bardock. Chilled says that he was curious how strong Bardock actually was since he took out his henchmen, but this is all somewhat anticlimactic. He perhaps would have even allowed Bardock to join him, but he is too weak for even that. Barry comes to stop Chilled, but it is no use. Barry is wounded from a blast as Ipana looks on, but Chilled simply wonders to himself what the trash was. Bardock starts muttering to himself about being pathetic and that if he only had more power, he would not have lost back there. As Bardock screams out Frieza's name yet 
again he transforms into a super saiyan. Chilled laughs to himself, saying that Bardock should not get cocky just because he has gold hair now. Chilled fires a series of blasts and continues laughing, saying that the hair apparently did not change a thing since all of the blasts hit him head on. When the dust clears, however, Bardock is still there. Chilled gasps, wondering who this guy is. Bardock is just a scion, probably anyway. Is Chilled the great space pirate and strongest in the world ready for this? Chilled forms a giant blast to destroy the whole planet, but his key is pushed back by Bardock's own blast, which continues pushing through to envelop Chilled. Bardock has done it. He has defeated Chilled and saved both the village and the planet. Chilled, now floating out in space, nearly dead, can barely laugh to himself, unable to believe what has just happened. A henchman finds him and brings him back, wondering what just happened. Indeed. Chilled, still laughing in pain, mutters that they should tell his clan about these people called Scions who can become gold. As Chilled collapses, the narrator explains how the legend of the Super Scions, mightiest of warriors, would be passed down through Frieza's clan. That brings us to a close. Episode of Bardock, the August, September, and October 2011 V-Jump issues, one chapter per volume. This is the uh, kind of the big focus of this whole Bardock media assault. Julian, for this entire thing, I guess we have to start just on the artwork alone. Naho Oishi has had some of her own spin on things before, but everything that she's done has been set in a pre-established universe, world, story. She did the manga adaptation of the Jump Super Animator special. Well, that was what it was. She's been doing Dragon Ball SD, and as of this recording, she's done three chapters, but they've all been pretty close to the original stories they tell, maybe a couple differences here and there. This was entirely new, but beyond the story itself, knowing she can do whatever she wants, maybe, does her artwork shine a little more here? Mm, I think it does seem kind of prettier than before. What about it? Something I noticed is, and I hate to pull the gender card, but it does feel more feminine than Toriyama's own work. And of course mm. it's going to. I mean, it's a different artist. It's going to have a little bit of a different flair. But uh, there were a couple panels. There's one of Bardock in particular, just a close up on his face. I felt like some rose petals might come floating past the screen in a Bishonen kind of way. Well, I don't know. It, it seemed to me that there was a lot more use of tone yeah, than yeah, Toriyama's sure. own work. Toriyama's work was a lot more I don't know, you, I guess you'd call it sort of flat in terms of more use of just black and white and um, just tone for some shading, but not gradients. Right, right. So in that in that way, I think it, it seemed a bit different. Do you like it, though? That's the big question. Oh, I, I thought it was not inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> okay. Didn't bother me. Didn't strike me as out of place. I guess compare some of the characters that already exist, characters like Frieza, characters like Bardock, with some of, I don't know if we can call them her own creations, because who knows who actually came up with some of them. Well, we know Toriyama actually designed Chilled, but we'll talk about Chilled in a little bit. Um, maybe the natives of Planet Plant and some of the underlings. Um, as I was reading along, I was actually going along with um, our buddy Jake Herms did some translations of uh, the material here. And his notes, right. I was joking to him that this is going to be a rumor guide thing in something like five years where he said, totally not a pool with horns. <laughs> it I think I know exactly was. who you're talking about. <laughs> what do you think about some of these other side characters from uh, Oishi here? Mm, some of them look kind of recognizable, but at the same time, I don't think we've seen exactly those characters before. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially Toby and Kavira. There's enough different about them that they, they feel like they fit, but they're definitely new. We haven't seen someone just quite like them before. Yeah. 
Did you happen to notice, especially in the third chapter, and I don't know if it's intentional or not, but there were quite a few. They felt like little homages in the artwork. A couple panels here and there. There was one, it was Bardock. He had just turned Super Saiyan. I think it was after the dust cleared. He's kind of walking toward the camera. It seems very similar to a pose of Goku. Not quite Super Saiyan, actually. When he's fighting Frieza, I think I'm placing that correctly. And hmm. there's another shot of a blast going over Bardock's or Ipana's shoulder. I can't remember who it was. And um, I think Bardock's eyes are going white a little bit. That's another clear callback to a panel from Toriyama's manga. I felt like part three in particular, lots of callbacks. Did you get any of that deja vu feeling? A little bit. And I think especially the the scene where he takes all of the blasts and then comes out completely unscathed Mm. was a pretty clear reference to the same thing that happens with Goku during the fight with Frieza. Oh, yeah, the big scene. Super Saiyan Son Gokuda. Yeah. Oh, great scene. Great scene. Mm. So, yeah, it, it felt like there were a few clear references in the artwork. Let's talk about character designs a little bit then. I just mentioned Chilled a second ago. I guess I'll jump ahead to him. Is Chilled... I mean, we knew it was going to be someone from Frieza's clan in the past. Is this the design you were expecting? And does knowing that Toriyama is actually the one who designed him color your impression in any way? Hmm, well, Toriyama is always doing sort of weird, quirky-looking characters. And I think this sort of fits his uh, sort of recent um, preference for sort of characters that don't look like much, but still carry some sort of weight. (laughs) And it looks like this one's definitely carrying some some weight in the front there. The pot belly. I absolutely love it. I don't know why I do, but I think it's a great addition. (laughs) Needs to get in shape. Does it give him this kind of childlike appearance uh, a bit at least uh, i think also the way the face is it kind of feels a little bit more childish than say frieza but yeah yeah oh, there's something about him chilled it's definitely not was what i was expecting but i think that's for the better here it's it's totally a frieza-esque character but he's got this air about him that's different yet the same it's familiar it, Ah, I can't quite put it in words, which I know is terrible for a podcast where all we have are words, but I did my best. Let's talk about Bardock a little bit then. Here's my question for you. Do you think Bardock was in character throughout these three chapters? Is this the Bardock you knew from the TV special? It's supposed to be a sequel. Mm, Well, I think that's what they were angling for. I mean, you can debate on whether he might have been, you know, more proactive about doing certain things or either denying where he was or doing more of something in general rather than just sort of brooding but you know overall i think they kept him more or less in character they there was him him doing this very passive aggressive sort of it's not like i was trying to save you or anything right right (laughs) i i actually think that works without those lines i might not have bought it as much Mm -hmm. i think having bardock say think twice over the course of these chapters it's not like i actually care about you whether you live or die it's none of my concern that felt very bardock to me bardock i don't know what else there is to him other than this nonchalant i'm all for myself but i kind of care about my team at the same time that that's a bardock to me and i did get that here yeah i mean in in, in some respects he's sort of similar to vegeta how do you think he's similar to vegeta uh, just in that he does sort of semi-heroic things but denies that he's doing them for oh, okay. the appropriate reasons even sure. though sometimes he actually is right right and and also he has no qualms about mass murder 
<laughs> or at least didn't at one point. Right, right, that's for sure. I do love when Bardock shows up toward the end there and he just kind of cracks that neck. Yep, here I am, killing folks along the way. That's yep. Bardock to me. Like, he wouldn't think twice about doing that. So I, I do think she nailed him. And it was just all those couple little touches here and there, a line of dialogue, cracking the neck of a henchman. That was enough to convince me, yeah, this is actually that same Bardock. Something people have brought up, though, was that well, he doesn't seem to be able to see the future here in these three chapters. Do you think that's kind of unnecessary? It's worth dropping? Mm, well. Is that kind of defined him a little bit toward the end well maybe not toward the end the entire purpose was that he saw what was going to happen so that's why he challenged frieza well you could get into these medical metaphysical discussions about whether he's really alive and whether this is all in his head or uh-huh, not. Or yeah. things like that uh but also just the idea about well, you know, his flashbacks to the past are now in the future. That's a great question because I know a lot of people are bringing up other examples in popular sci-fi media about you know, whether you're caught in a blast or hit your head, something happens. Is this entirely in your head? I think what they're going for is that, yeah, this actually happened because it resolves with, all right, Frieza's clan learns about the legend of the Super right. Saiyan. Well, they clearly know about that in our future timeline. So something happened along the way. I guess this was it. Which just turns into another big question. Do you think this was sufficient, appropriate? Do you buy this as... I hate to always use that question, but do you buy this? Is this the legend of the mm. Super Saiyan? Mm, well, I don't know. The The legend in the series strikes you as a bit more dramatic with, you know, giant monkeys and destroying planets and things. And then there's also the whole idea of, so what happens to Bardock now? Is he stuck on this planet <laughs> until he dies? That's a great question that I want to know. Yes. Does he just... Do, does I he, mean- does he care about them? Base pod and go somewhere else or what? Uh, I don't know. So many questions. It just kind of ends, you know? Well, we'll take it back to that question. Do you think this works? Is this truly Densetsu no Supa Saiyajin that we hear constantly over the course of the series? Mm. Was this what you wanted? I don't know if it's what I wanted. I suppose maybe the legend grew over time. Oh, and, sure, sure. But... I don't know. I kind of wanted to be more like the legend. <laughs> so what did you want? Giant monkeys with golden hair blowing things up and destroying stuff. So what you're saying is that you want Dragon Ball GT. That's not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said. I'm going to quote you on this. I never said anything about GT. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, getting into just more stuff about the story and does it work with the original? Something you mentioned to me before we even started recording. Hey, these don't look like the fruit people. Yeah, so what's going on here? Is that just artistic license or what? I mean, uh, granted, what everything we know about them has basically been set out by the TV show with some help from right. Akira Toriyama himself. Sure, sure. But... But it was all pretty consistent that we saw in filler, in GT, in Plan to Eradicate the Science. Every time we saw the Sufrudians, they looked like they were originally designed. Short, with kind of the curly hair. They had their technology. These almost, they kind of remind me of... Um, Good day from the Jump Super Animator special a little bit. Just these circle faces and they got legs. Mm, yeah, basically. They almost remind me a little bit of the aliens from Toy Story. Ah, yes, yes. Good call. So what do you think about that? Was this just an oversight? Can you resolve this in any way? Uh, 
I have no idea. Maybe, maybe the ones that we know as the Tsufuru are actually also invaders that came and destroyed the plant people. Oh, I'd have to go back and look at uh, what the detailed history is. Maybe that's something we can do. I'm not going to promise it next week, but something I've been wanting to do for a while. Jake outlined, he's like, I'm just going to translate everything that anyone ever says about science history. And I've been kind of wanting to go through that. I did pull out that plan to eradicate the science was the first to flat out state that the science were not native to plant planet plant and that's not actually contradicted in any of the prior stuff prior to that it was just said that the science co-inhabited plant with another race so we know they came to planet plant at some point well is bardock that coming to planet plant well he's but there's just he's one. the only one <laughs> does he reproduce asexually so we gotta work that out at some point. But then, yeah, if these aren't the Sufudians, are they also on this planet, maybe on the other side, and something happens to whatever this native, what appears to be native Plantians race is, maybe? I don't entirely know. This is a tough one. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have an answer. Um, I guess going back to the, the story itself, the, the whole concept of sending this blast sending Bardock into the past. Was this the way to tell an additional Bardock story? Because they wanted to do more with him. Was this the only place they could do it? Mm, well, they could have done more before, like with his teammates and stuff. I suppose that wouldn't have had the same sort of character, though, because he hasn't gone through the character development that he has in the Bardock special. Right, and then you couldn't get Super Saiyan either, because, well, he right. didn't do it over the course of the Bardock special, so... Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess this was one way for them to do it by sort of sending him back into time. But there's also the matter that the th events with the confrontation with Frieza don't play out like they did either. No, it's slightly different. Special. Yeah. Does that make this a different universe? Well, or? you know, th they flat out said in V-Jump, this is going to be a sequel to the Bardock TV special. So they're placing it in the same continuity as that TV special. I think you just oh have boy. to fudge those first couple panels a little bit with Bardock, or not with Bardock, with Dodoria and Zarbon kind of hanging out with Frieza out in space a little bit. You just got to go with the flow, I think, there. Okay. It's close enough. I don't know. Julian, before we started recording, you were saying that you thought this was a little too short. Now, I've been uh, working on the final manga review of Awesomeness, my notes and all that stuff. So I'm getting used to the Dragon Ball chapter length again. But at the same time, Mary and I are rereading what we've read and Onward in One Piece, which are more pages per chapter this is kind of in the ballpark where it's what was it about 16 pages for that first chapter maybe a little less after that but it was still yeah. only three you were saying that you felt it was a little too short yeah i mean i felt like we could have had more space for you know character development or what the heck happens to bardock after this all ends <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know I, i'm cool just leaving it where it is but i do think we needed a little more room to breathe i feel like in between chapters it made sense but within each chapter i needed a little something else and maybe the best example is simply the super saiyan trigger itself it was so i mean it was almost on par with goku jr where my bear friend got hurt a little bit i'm going to turn super saiyan bardock mm -hmm. here is just like i'm saying frieza for the billionth time i guess that pushes me over the edge oh Ipana maybe got blown to the side a little bit or Barry. well you know to be fair he did lose his entire planet and all the people he ever knew <laughs> Besides besides the people that he hates. I suppose so. 
But you would think over the last couple of weeks that would have come up more. It was chilled, stepping yeah. in his face, just kicking it in. I don't yeah. know. Well, that's got to hurt your pride a bit. The transformation itself is probably one of the only pieces where I'm going, oh, I don't know. In these three chapters, everything else I'm kind of going with, but the trigger, whatever it was, that that didn't do it for me. The thing is, I don't know what else they could have done especially if they wanted to wrap it up in three chapters here. At that point, you're a few pages in, you're going, oh, man, we got to have him transform and resolve this and have one final page with Chill saying what just happened. So you kind of just have to have the hair go up over anything at that point, right? Yep. I want to say so much more about episode of Bardock. I'm going to be working on a written review about it. Any final thoughts? <laughs> episode of Bardock. Mm, it's an interesting diversion. Uh, you can debate about the plot holes that it opens up and what the heck happens to Bardock after all this thing ends. Maybe he just sort of pops back into the place where he left the original timeline to die in space. Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it wasn't bad. It wasn't too bad anyway. It was fun fun to read and Toriyama had some involvement and yeah, it was a thing. <laughs> That's about where I fall on it. It was a thing. I kind of enjoyed reading through. It got a little bit of Toriyama in there. Oishi, eh, little chance to shine. Maybe do a couple other things. So we'll forget about our thoughts. What we're going to do right now is turn it over to some of your thoughts. I asked out on Facebook earlier this morning, hey, you guys that have been keeping up with this, did you read it? What did you think so let's read a couple thoughts from people here first one here jonathan says ugh it's a complete disappointment my initial excitement hit the wall once they actually got to the last chapter and absolutely nothing was resolved outside of the dispute with chilled half-assed products like this aren't what we need or want shueisha it'll be nice to see a time when toei shueisha and bandai actually agree with that thinking very very harsh from jonathan here uh julian why don't you head down to kevin all right kevin writes i thought that it was very well done in the spirit of that era of the manga, but I was a little disappointed that Bardock's subsequent transformation and defeat of the ancestor of Frieza was too reminiscent of Goku. To the point, it was just a homage instead of a new redo of it. Though it did detract from a short retread of the series, and certainly a whole lot better than what uh, Nao, is it, had in Dragon Ball SD, due perhaps to having more creative freedom. Alright, Patrick says, Yeah, the ball was dropped pretty hard. I was looking forward to something akin to Marvel's What If series, where a seemingly minor detail leads to a completely different story. Instead, this just fell flat and played it way too safe. I agree with Patrick there. I think this was a very safe three chapters. Hmm, you may be right. All right, Roderick says, The design of Chilled was kind of weird, like a middle-aged Frieza with a short, er, short fat with a potbelly. Uh, also, the relationship between Bardock and Barry reminded me of the relationship between Tapion and Trunks in movie 13. Overall, it was pretty good, but I thought the dialogue had some of that Funimation cheese in it. That's a pretty good catch on the Tapion connection there. I do get that same vibe between those two. What do you think on that? I can kind of see the resemblance. Also, I want to th- say about the dialogue that, uh, well, it may Maybe wasn't up to, you know, Dragon Ball style. It, I don't know. I think part of it is whatever translation you're reading can sort of affect your opinion of the dialogue. Yeah, for sure. The the Japanese was, um, I don't know, the dialogue was nothing special, but it wasn't, wasn't terrible. No, I thought it was just pretty straight dialogue. There wasn't anything, I don't know, the characters were saying words. <laughs> That's 
That's all I took away from it. All right, we'll uh, wrap it up here with Brett. Brett says, first off, I like the idea of branching off the original Bardock story. I've always thought Bardock was a great character, and seeing him in a new story made this trilogy a fun read. However, I thought the ending was anticlimactic and left a little to be explained. Chilled got finished off rather easily and dies in bed. Also, nothing is explained about what happens to Bardock after defeating Chilled. Julian, you and Brett are on the same page here. I think the real issue as a fan is that I want more story from something that was just meant to be a short thing. Episode of Bardock happened. I enjoyed it and I wish there was more. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's uh, a recurring opinion there as well. Is we knew what we were going to get out of this, but still uh, left us wanting a little bit more. It's about the long and the short of it, yeah. That's going to wrap up episode of Bardock. Julian, you and I sort of kind of enjoyed it. It seemed like everyone else either sort of kind of enjoyed it or just absolutely loathed it. I'd love to hear if anyone thought it was spectacular. We're going to talk to you about how you get in touch with us, how you share your opinions in just uh, right now, actually. But before we tell you those actual details, we got a couple other questions that I want to answer from folks out there. Ah, tease you, tease you. Oh, man. Julian, I'm going to read this first email. It comes to us from Mark. Having only listened to newer editions of the podcast, I recently started going back and now frequently listen to whatever catches my eye, or rather, ear, (laughs) in the description of older podcasts. I recently heard the podcast where you all reviewed volume 29 of the manga. Now, I don't know if this has been brought up to you since, as it has been more than two years, but there's one thing in particular that caught my attention. Julian comments how he thinks it's contrived that Goku starts suffering from the heart virus in the midst of battle against number 19, but there's actually a very reasonable explanation for that. It is said by Vegeta that turning Super Saiyan makes it worse and that Goku basically was a fool to transform. Now, it can be assumed that in Trunks' timeline, Goku was the one who defeated Frieza and King Cold by getting to Earth via teleportation and beating them up as a Super Saiyan. We all know he died shortly after in that timeline while he somehow stays alive up until the artificial humans arrive in the timeline that we all know and love. This doesn't seem like a coincidental butterfly effect result of Trunks appearing, but rather a very direct consequence of it. In our timeline, he only briefly goes Super Saiyan to show off to Trunks, but I'd imagine sparring with one finger doesn't require the same effort as destroying two of the most powerful beings in the universe. In the three years after, while training with Gohan and Piccolo, Goku very likely doesn't transform at all as the gap in power would be too much. This marks the fight against number 19 as the first time where Goku fights seriously as a Super Saiyan since Namek, as opposed to Frieza rematch on Earth three years earlier in Trunks' timeline. I'm following along. I hope you all are too. I hope you see where I'm going with this, although it does make the assumption that fighting as a Super Saiyan pretty much triggers the heart virus or at least speeds it up drastically, which I think you guys also hinted at without touching on the timeline differences. Closes up, it's still convenient from a storytelling perspective, but that's another discussion altogether. Not sure where the explanation of these timeline differences and the heart virus originated, as it's the way I understood it since the first time I saw the show. Probably got it on the forum after all these years. I'd be rather shocked if there turns out to be something wrong with it. There's also the possibility that we're all overthinking it, and that it just happens to neatly fall into place for once. Julian, you apparently said this two years ago, but you are also the kind of guy who says, you know what, it's just a show. So what is your response to this? Well, again, it is just a show, but I think to counter that, I would say that Goku is not the person, the kind of person who would sit on his laurels, unlike Gohan. Mm. He would not, he might not use the Super Saiyan transformation to spar with Gohan or Piccolo because he would kind of 
kill them. (laughs) But he would push himself to his limits in his own personal training because that's just the kind of guy that he is. So the idea that he would not use the transformation at all in those three years seems to me as a bit, mm, I don't know, unfounded, unlikely. And I don't think that Mark's saying he would never use it, but I think Mark's perspective is, well, he never had the reason to fully use it. Your counter is, knowing Goku, he would probably do it at least just on his own somewhere training. Yeah. Okay. But again, it's it's fiction. <laughs> it is. And this is Toriyama getting himself into these corners where he doesn't really know what to do. Where he's got old editors breathing down his back and he's trying to cram out a chapter per week. So this stuff happens. All right, Julian, uh, why don't you read the last email here from Jose over in Portugal. Jose from Portugal. I'm a big fan of the Daizenshu website and I would just like you to consider answering this question on your podcast. It's one thing quite simple, even kind of silly, but it's something that's been bugging me for quite some time. How do you write it? Dragon Ball, with the space in between, or Dragon Ball. I've seen it written hundreds of times both ways, but what is the official way of writing the name on our beloved franchise, if there is any? I always write it Dragon Ball, because it seems to make the most sense to me, but is it correct? This is a great question. I think (laughs) we've talked about it before. I seem to remember talking about it with Heath at some point. Julian, personally, here's my explanation. I write it as Dragon Ball, as one word with no space, but I capitalize both the D and the B from Dragon and Ball. The reason why I do this is because it's a combination of every single other spelling that I've seen, which is as one word, as two words, and as two words with capitalization. You've got things like the recent Kansenbon covers, which have it all as one word, no space with a lowercase b in it. Then you have it other places where there's a pretty distinct space between words, but it's written in all caps. So you kind of have to do whatever. I don't know. What is your take on this? Yes. Well, I've seen it both ways as well. And in Japanese, uh, Shueisha itself seems to be pretty consistent. When it spells the name of the series in Lomaji, it usually is all caps right. in two words. Right. Uh, Toriyama himself seems to alternate between two words with each word capitalized at the beginning or one word capitalized only at the very beginning. Um, so yeah, take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> this is the strange thing where it doesn't seem like there's a single consistent... It's not as easy as Bleach and Naruto and One Piece. It seems like it would be because it's just english words but maybe because it's two words but then one piece is two words as well and that's pretty obvious what it is i don't know why do you think dragon ball is so different from all these other shonen staples Mm, just because you know usually it's written katakana i think and really dragon ball being not just a, a name but also a major thing in the series well they they're balls and they make a dragon come out but yeah does that make them one thing or do they keep the words separate or what very much a terminology and that's where i break self-consistency and i think i break up the words when i talk about the actual objects themselves as opposed to the, <laughs> <end of> the series <laughs> yeah so if if that's an answer, I guess. But anyway, it doesn't resolve anything. No, it doesn't. We did our best. Oh, here we go, Julian. If people have questions, comments, all that good stuff, we will try to answer them as best we can. First up, where are the emails going for the show? Yes. Emails go to podcast at DiZX.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at DiZX for news and site announcements and individually at VegitoEX. 
Saiya Jedi and Mary TOT, where you can send comments and other things and personal communications if you can fit them inside the character limit. And finally, on Facebook at facebook.com slash DiesyX. And that's it's it. A pretty cool place. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've been doing my best to try and alternate. You know, all right, this week I'm going to toss out the last minute questions on Twitter. And this week I'm going to toss them out on Facebook. So whatever your preferred place is, I'm going to be asking questions. I want to know what you guys and gals have to think. This week in particular, if you absolutely adored episode of Bardock, found no faults with it whatsoever, and you're just gleeful as all hell. I want to know what you have to say about that. And even if you thought exactly the same thing that we did, well, we want to hear that too. So send in your uh, feedback on episode of Bardock, any place that you feel comfortable, the email, the Twitter, the Facebook, you can do whatever you want. We are just happy to hear from you. Julian, speaking of happy to hear from you, I'm happy to hear from you. Sorry we couldn't connect yes. over the last couple of weeks, but you know, I didn't have power and uh, three rooms worth of things were shoved into the recording room so took a break but it's good to talk with you again you got anything going on right now um well i don't know it's a two-day week for me because i've got monday tuesday off and friday off oh very nice pretty cool is it a special day it's respect for the aged day today <laughs> so so from so from respect for your elders and how do you Damn do it. that specifically in japan by staying off their well <laughs> most people don't have lawns <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. So we got Julian over there. Uh, man, that just leaves me. My name is Mike Vegito EX. We're keeping it simple because it's just the two of us. Julian, we can be found at. We can be found at Daisenshu EX, which is located on the internet at DaisEX.com. That's D A I Z E X. Com. Ah, next week on the show, I don't want to do our final manga review of awesomeness next week because we just kind of did a sort of manga review of awesomeness this week. So we're going to break it up. I'd love to do something in university. Maybe we'll do that cyan back history. I hate to make promises and predictions about content because things get shifted around. I'm working on a couple other things. Depends on what I can schedule, but just know my feelers are out there. I'm working on a bunch of different things. So many great topics coming your way. Uh, I do want to toss it out here, just at least at the very end of the show, because a lot of people have been asking me for years at this point mike when are you going to catch up on one piece i am very proud to announce that last month mary and i ransacked the next town over's library they have i think volume one through 43 of the viz translation so i am knee deep in alabaster right now which i've seen before i saw i think about halfway through skypea mary's probably finishing skypea right now upstairs so i'm getting close to crossing over into what is new material for me so uh those of you who want to ask me about things other than dragon ball on twitter i'm happy to respond here and there about one piece i'm so very okay. excited it's oh it's so good i miss these characters so much julian am i in for a hell of a ride oh yes you are trains flying things and underwater cars and all sorts of stuff <laughs> you know what i really do miss though is the music and the voice acting such an amazing cast on that show. Tanaka just leads that crew like nobody's business. And yeah, they're talking in my head as I read the manga, but man, I miss them. Mm, yes, and you'll have a few reunions with some characters and even some voices voicing new characters. I gotta catch up on all the 
Funimation DVD releases too. It's just all one piece all the time over here in this house. You wouldn't know it from doing a Dragon Ball podcast, but back over to one piece. All right. right. So that's going to wrap it up. Julian, thank you as always for joining me here. Yes, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks again for listening to us this week. Catch us next time. As long as Mike's basement remains unflooded. <laughs>